So then, well, as uh, Joe mentioned uh, earlier on, the, um, we're, we're in our Bible teaching for a few weeks now. We've been thinking about how Jesus is not just uh, from the dead, uh, more. He's alive, uh, but he's alive after a particular death. A death that was on the cross, a death that made it possible for us uh, to know God, to come to know him, to come home to him. And Jesus, after his resurrection, is not just uh, risen from the dead, having achieved that amazing kind of event and that tremendous rescue for us. He has, uh, more than that, he's been welcomed to the highest place of all as God's exalted king. We celebrated that on Ascension Day on Thursday, uh, and uh, we've been learning, and we will for another few weeks, about what it means for us as his people, as his followers, what it means for us that the, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, is this ascended king. And today uh, we're going to be uh, on the, on the uh, last night uh, with Jesus uh, and his disciples. He uh, spent time with them. You remember that was the occasion when the Last Supper was, was held. They had that meal together. And he had a conversation with them. And he's told them in this conversation that he's going away. And, and the disciples are trying to get their heads around it. It's a, you know, a horrendous thing for them to anticipate. It's really tough for them. And he explains to them what this means. And, and we read about it in John chapter 14. Uh, and we're going to look at that passage. It's on page 1082 um, in the church Bibles, if you need to follow it there. I don't know whether it will come up on the screen. It might do, but it's on page 1082. So we're looking uh, from verse 12. So remember, Jesus is in this conversation with his disciples on this particular night about uh, what's happening, how he's going away. And he says, I tell you the truth in verse 12, anyone who has faith or anyone who believes in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me, because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, he'd already gone, the one that betrayed Jesus. Uh, that, uh, when that, this Judas said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, 
whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. There's a lot in this ver- these verses and we're going to look at some of them uh, this morning and a few others uh, uh, next chapter on in this conversation Jesus has with his disciples. Now, did you notice that Jesus doesn't just say to them, I'm going away? See that in verse 12? Do you see the phrase he uses? I am going to the Father right at the end of that verse 12. And when he says, I'm going to the Father, it's a kind of shorthand for the whole journey he's embarking on. He's being betrayed. He's going to the cross. He's rising from the dead. His ascension, being glorified. Going to the Father, when Jesus says, I'm going to the Father, he means that whole kind of process. It's a bit like saying, I suppose, if you might say, well, we're going on holiday, you say. Maybe you do. If you're, you are going, maybe you're going on holiday a couple of weeks' time. And when you say we're going on holiday, you're not just talking about that we're going from one place to another place. You're talking about the whole thing. You look forward to going on holiday, not because you rather like sitting, you know, queuing for hours, waiting to get on the EasyJet plane and, you know, etc., etc. But because when you're there, you're on holiday. (laughs) It's kind of part of the whole thing. We can say, hallelujah, we'll soon be moving into the back of the church. And it doesn't just mean that we're going to move stuff in and set it all up, but it means that a whole new kind of period in our life has begun as a church family in one sense. And that's the kind of idea here. Jesus is saying, no, it's, it's a, there's something big happening. But the disciples were struggling with that. All they could hear was, he's going away. And, they, and Jesus wants them to get the idea that he's going to the Father. Something big is going on. And he tells them what going to the Father is going to mean for their lives as they follow him. So, so let's get there with them. Because by listening to what he tells them, we can learn too about what being a follower of Jesus is all about. See, they couldn't see it at that point. Sometimes we, although we're after the event, don't see it or forget it. So three ways Jesus' ascension touches the lives of his disciples here's the first one the disciples do jesus works this is in verses 12 to 14 jesus says but because i am going to the father you disciples will be doing greater things greater works than i've been doing now what does he mean by that Uh, Does he mean that um, some people say, well, it's because they're going to be not just Jesus on the earth, but he's going to fill all his people and millions of people will be doing things. And so there'll be many more things going on. And in that sense, it's greater. Could be that's what it means. But I'm told by experts that if he would wanted to say that, there was an expression he would have used which meant that. So perhaps it's not that. Is it that he's saying they could do more spectacular works than Jesus did? But... Well, you can't get much more spectacular than calming a storm or raising a body to life, can you? So, you know, I don't think it can be more spectacular works. It's more perhaps like this. It's Jesus saying there's a whole new kind of age about to begin. It's a whole, whole new order of things. Because he's going to the Father, because he's, been, he's died and he's been raised from the dead and will be raised from the dead and ascending to the Father as the King... 
After that event, then Jesus' kingship is going to be worked out through disciples sharing the gospel, sharing the good news of how we can be forgiven and come to know God. A new covenant, we'll celebrate it in a a moment or two, has has begun. Something uh, of of a whole new order has started. Uh, and will be known as thousands, millions of people from every different language group we read in Revelation. Hundreds of millions, maybe billions, (coughs) billions even of people will come to know God. Why? (coughs) Through what the disciples will do. Because Jesus is the risen. He's the ascended king. How are those disciples going to do that then? What Jesus tells them. See that in those verses? It's as they ask him. He said, ask me. And he said, he will do it. He says that twice in these verses. You ask and I will do it. And in that way, God is glorified. So although, yes, the disciples will do these greater works, and that's us. Actually, Jesus is doing it through them. He says, as you ask me. So I will do it. Now, here's a question. Is that how we see being a follower of Jesus? Is that what you see a follower of Jesus is? As we follow him, as we live in our world such as it is, that he can do works uh, through us even greater wherever we are, how, as we ask him? Do you believe that? Do I believe that? How does that change the way you might live? What about prayer then? If sometimes, I remember when I've, I've, I've uh, heard, read these verses when I was really quite young as a teenager. And that verse, you know, ask me for anything and I will do it. He says twice, you think, anything? What? How does that work then? I don't want that. I don't want to have, no, I don't want that promise. I don't want to ask God for anything. What if it's the wrong thing? And you think, think sit there thinking about lottery wins and, you know, the spouse of your dreams or whatever it happens to be. And you think, is that it? No, I don't think that's it, is it? Jesus says, pray for anything that enables him to continue his greater works through us. That's what in my name means, says Jesus. So... It's not just asking for anything, but anything that will bring glory to God will continue what he's doing. So why don't we pray then? Hmm? You know, we've got the house of prayer every lunchtime. We can sign up to the secret Facebook group and get the stuff. Or we'll be initiating some emails you can sign up to. If you want stuff each day, you can pray for. If you can't make it for the half an hour here in the building. There's a bunch of people from Portswood, only a few, three or four from Portswood and others from Highfield, who together, every couple of weeks, is it? Every, or every, every couple of weeks, are out on Portswood Street, High Street, praying for people. It's great. Have a good time. Don't you have a good time? Yeah. Loads of shopkeepers know Peter and Sandra because they go and say, what do you like us to pray for? And they tell them, and you pray for them. Did you pray there and then, or do you go off and pray? Sometimes, depends. See, it's a, a way of just praying for people. A breakfast club, there's an opportunity. The people at breakfast club, they don't get you know, forced to talk about Jesus. But if they want to pray with someone or if they want people to pray for them, there's an opportunity. 
Loads of places we can do this. Asking Jesus to work. Prayer that's openly prayed for people and even with people. This week I was at a meeting, a planning meeting, a steering group for Love Southampton. You may have heard of Love Southampton. It kind of joins up lots of initiatives that the churches are doing, churches together and the SCN network together. And uh, one of the other, one of the, um, one of the few church leaders on it, but, but somebody from another church was there, Chris, Chris Kilby. And uh, we were talking uh, on the agenda was the subject of chaplains. You know, what about the idea? Are there enough people around in all the different places that, and, and we were talking about chaplains and what that means. And, and Chris said, actually, he said, um, he said, we've got, he said, we were talking about his church, we've got about 15 people in Southampton General Hospital. And we all kind of looked at him and thought, oh dear, what's wrong with them? But what he meant, they work there. And, and he said, I know one of those guys, he's quite, you know, and he's known by his workmates. If they're sick, they ask him to pray for them. Because that's what he does. That's the way he kind of shares his witness, his life, as it were. Wherever we are, we can be um, knowing this. Greater works. Try it out. Be a praying presence intentionally and then see what the Lord will do. So because Jesus is the ascended king, that's the first thing. We as disciples can do his works. He works through us. But there's more. Because of the ascensions, because of the ascension, because Jesus is the ascended king. Secondly, disciples have the Holy Spirit's help. Now, they may have been thinking, having heard about the greater work, saying, goodness, how are we going to do that then? Maybe you might be thinking that as well. And Jesus answers the question by promising them that they will have help. He tells them in the NIV version here in verse 16, I will give you, ask the Father, and he will give you, rather, another counselor to be with you forever the spirit of truth verse 16 and 17 now that word counselor is quite a hard word for us to to translate because it's quite nuanced it, it's a word in the greek called uh, it goes something like paraclete uh, and it means someone in the greek world at that time helped you out in court it was almost like a an advocate some some translations translate it advocate and that's kind of behind when you hear the word counselor, that you need to think about the American, you know, the American legal system. You know, they call the counselor, the, the lawyers representing you. But that's not quite it, because it's not really about being in court. It's about uh, the, the paraclete, the, 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 this person was like there to help you. He, they would, um, in fact, some translation says, I will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. This idea of being alongside, being for the person, helping them out. The nearest I can get to, and I know I did this when I preached a few years ago on this, I don't know, some of us have uh, no people or, or maybe I know, have ourselves care or support workers, you know? You've got support workers, some of us have got support workers. And a support worker kind of helps you out, they're on your side. They're kind of there for you when, when you need them. Uh, and in the Holy Spirit's case, it's all the time. Because Jesus said, with you forever. Uh, and Jesus says, I, I'm, gonna, I'm promising uh, the Holy Spirit, God will send this, 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 like a support worker. Jesus says that it's another, another counselor. 
This means that it like, it's someone like the first one. And, and uh, who's the first one? Well, if you look at it carefully, then clearly Jesus is doing that with his disciples all the time. And then he says, when I go, I'm going to, God will send another one, the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, you already know him. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, you know him. They've seen the Holy Spirit in what Jesus has done. All that Jesus had done in his ministry, he'd done through the Holy Spirit. That's how he'd healed people. That's how he'd distilled the storm. That's how the dead was raised. Actually, the book of Hebrews says that that's how he offered himself to God on the cross. It says, by one spirit, he offered himself to God. Everything Jesus did, he did through the Holy Spirit, through God working in him. We were at, at CE on uh, Monday. We were kind of scratching our brains a bit about the baptism. What happened when the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, when Jesus was baptized, came upon him in this visible way? When he preached his first sermon, Jesus in Luke chapter four, what were the very the, 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 the passage he chose from Isaiah began? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, and so on. So they had seen the Holy Spirit around them in the ministry of Jesus. And Jesus says, you've seen him, he's been with you. But then, when I send him, or when the Father sends him, he will be in you. After Jesus has gone. That's how we can do his work. And we haven't got time, but these verses point to much more, don't they? Jesus promises that they will see him again. He's talking about the resurrection. They will live because he lives. They will know his life. But there's more. There's this promise that his father uh, will make his, their, uh, Jesus and his father will make their home in the disciples. When the Holy Spirit came, they knew God in a new way. God at home in their lives. Jesus says, you will be loved. You'll know that you're loved by God in a new and a deeper and and an experienced way. All part of what the Holy Spirit will do. We'll, We'll find out more about this in the next couple of weeks. They will know that Jesus and the Father share a life of love. And the disciples somehow are going to be caught up in that light of love. You know, that's that rather strange verse. It says, then you will know that I am in the Father and, uh, and I am in you and you are in me and so on. So once again. No, sorry, went to the wrong page. <laughs> So there's this promise as well that the Spirit will teach the disciples. Jesus says he'll remind you of everything that Jesus has said. Now that's a promise for them, for those disciples in that room. He says that you're going to be able to remember and get down and capture everything I've said. All that needs to be known about me, you by the Holy Spirit will be able to get hold of. And, and it's, a, it's an indirect promise to us because what, what became of what they remembered and what they wrote down? Well, this is what became of it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and some of the rest of the New Testament is based on the sayings of Jesus, which the Holy Spirit, Jesus is promising the disciples, will enable them to remember. There were lots of ways they could have written it down and got hold of it at the time. But on top of all of that, there is this promise that the Holy Spirit will watch over that process so that we can trust the material that we have other reasons we can trust it as well but this is one of them too 
So because Jesus has gone to the Father, because he's ascended, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. We can know that we're loved by God, that God shares our lives. This is the Christian life. Amazing, isn't it? This is what we mean when we talk about a relationship with God. I've got a a friend who... Uh, has, has become a, a militant atheist, and he's very, um, he sneers at this phrase, a relationship with God. And I understand what he's getting at because it's so easy to say when we're witnessing, and it all sounds so simple. But it's, uh, and I just wonder whether he ever really knew a relationship with God, actually. Um, but that's another story. But this is a relationship with God, knowing I'm loved by God, knowing that God is in my life, knowing that he's working through me, It's not just an easy, simple phrase of explaining what someone who goes to church and says their prayers and reads their Bible means. It's something much deeper and more real than that. And it's the Holy Spirit that brings that, that living relationship to life in us. That's what Jesus promised the disciples. In John 17, at the end of this passage, Jesus prays to his Father and he says, This is eternal life. He's praying for the disciples that they may know you, the true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. John 17, verse 3. Now we need to be responsive to that, don't we? We need to welcome him into our lives. And we do when we turn to him and trust him because of what he's done on the cross and ask for his forgiveness and his presence and his fullness. We do that. And the Holy Spirit comes into our life but we need to work on with that we need to nurture that relationship don't we we need to create space in our lives to know him in this way to know that god is at home in our lives i asked myself when did i last stop and just reflect on that and say lord this is you you're in my life i'm so grateful feed that and it's in the normal life of life of things I was once um, on a train many years ago. I was going to speak at some little conference, some house party somewhere. And um, I was on the train from Reading, and I was just scribbling stuff in my notes. And, and I was scribbling about how we can know God in our lives. And I, the train stopped, and I look up, looked up, and we were in the, the station of Slough. I don't, forgive me for anyone from Slough, but, <laughs> you know, it's not the best place on God's earth, is it really? Yeah, John Betjeman said, come gentle bombs and rain on slough. Uh, you know, not a really happy place. And, it, and at the time, it may have improved sitting in the station. It, you know, there was nothing that I saw through the window that kind of disavowed me of that opinion on slough. And I was thinking, hey, anyway, I'm sitting in slough. And I'm thinking about how God, the living God, I can talk to him. He's in my life. It's a great privilege wherever we are. Even slough. It's worth place, worse places than Slough. That's John. Be- blame John. Blame John Betjeman for that. Not so we can't do these greater works without this relationship alive in us. In fact, we can't do anything without that. Without Him. Without the Holy Spirit in our lives. So, because Jesus is the ascended King, we have the Spirit's help. We'll be thinking more about that over the next three weeks. 
But there's something else. Because Jesus is the ascended king, the disciples know big changes. This is in the next chapter in John 16. I'm going to um, move through this fairly quickly. Read from verse 5. This is on page 1084. Again, I'm just going to highlight a few things and not go into it in depth. So the conversation has gone on and Jesus is still talking about going. So verse 5, he says, Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you asked me, where are you going? They had asked him that before, but they're not asking him at that now. And here's the reason in verse 6. Because I've said these things, you are filled with grief. I mean, Jesus kind of sees these kind of crumpled disciples still trying to think, oh, Jesus, you're going, are we? Oh, no. You know, he says, you're filled with grief. And that's a very strong word. But then he says, but I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Or you could translate, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because people do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So they're struggling, aren't they, these disciples? They hear that Jesus is going. That's the main emotion is grief. But as Jesus goes on in the conversation, if you read on through John chapter 16, he starts to talk about how their grief is going to turn to joy. And it kind of comes, it begins, that little theme begins there at the, the, the verse, uh, verse 6, verse 7. Because Jesus tells them that because he's going to the Father, the Holy Spirit, the Counselor, will come. Well, he's already said that. But then he's saying, it's good. He said, this is good. It's for your good. He's actually saying to them that having the Holy Spirit with them is going to be even better than what they've known. That is Jesus with them, physically, with him, you know, in their day-by-day lives, as a person physically with them. Jesus says, I'm going away, and what, what you will receive from the, you know, when the Holy Spirit comes, is going to be better than that, even. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? As one uh, commentator, one commentary I read said, so that says goodbye to those of us who say, oh, if only I could have been a disciple walking around Galilee with Jesus at the time. If only I could live then. Jesus is saying to them, actually, what's coming is going to be better even than that. For your good. Now, what does he mean when he says, unless I go, the Holy Spirit can't come? Is it like the old Westerns, you know, when it used to say, this town ain't big enough for the both of us? Is that what it means? Of course not. The Spirit has been at work in all that Jesus is doing. And it certainly can't mean, and doesn't mean, that although some people do teach it, that that the Holy Spirit is Jesus after the ascension. 
doesn't mean that either because the Holy Spirit is at work in Jesus the Holy Spirit is a person one of the three persons of the Trinity and he's at work with Jesus glorifying the Father in, in all that he did so it can't mean that I think what it means is that because Jesus is being glorified Something that God had promised in the Old Testament is about to be fulfilled. You see, God had pr- promised through the Old Testament, through prophets like Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Joel, and some others as well, that the kind of final phase, everything that God was going to do to kind of um, put everything right and eventually wind up history, bring the human story to, to a fantastic conclusion for those who receive what God offers. That great kind of program with the, the, the Old Testament Jewish kind of writing saw as the coming of the Messiah that began as Jesus arrived and, and claimed himself to be the Messiah. That that kind of whole phase of God's activity which will end when everything is put right. That age of activity is characterized by the work of the Holy Spirit. It, it, it is the, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, who does all those things. And, and what Jesus is saying that he... he as it were, in one sense, finished his work. Well, not in one sense. He has finished his work. And after that, the Holy Spirit is going to carry on. And that's how the, the whole thing is going to continue. And as I say, Ezekiel, uh, on a, in a number of places, Isaiah and Joel prophesied that. And when Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost, what does he quote? Joel chapter 2. When the Holy Spirit comes. Sorry, that's Lou's subject, I think, next week. We won't go into that now. But stick with it. Uh, come back next week. And you'll find out more about that. So what Jesus is saying is that there's going to be uh, just a, this, this is a big change. This is a, a huge movement that started. Started at the, the coming of Jesus, the, glory, the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, and the coming of the Spirit. He's going to start the whole thing off the, and bring it to completion one day. And Jesus says that not only that there's a big change coming in the world, and we're going to go very quickly, because he says the Holy Spirit is coming to work in the world in a new way. Not so much the planet, but you know the people that make up the world. He, Jesus has talked about the world a number of times. He means the people in it. And things that people who are separated from God without Jesus. He says things are going to be changing when the Holy Spirit comes, because the Holy Spirit is going to start proving the world wrong about what they think about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment. The Holy Spirit is going to do, as Jesus says in these verses, what Jesus did where he was in Palestine, but he's going to do it all over the world. That's the point. That's the only point I want to make. And this is a big change. It was going to be a big change for them. The world was going to be different when the Holy Spirit came. And the world is different today because the Holy Spirit has come. And as we go into this world, as we live for Jesus in this world, as we live with people who don't get God, if we sometimes don't understand it ourselves and wonder quite where where we're on and how we'll ever get it, the Holy Spirit is at work here and now, as it were, in the background, in your world, in my world, on your front line, wherever you are. He is working. And as we go and do the works of Jesus, we do that against a background in which the world is different because the Holy Spirit is working. Otherwise, no one's going to get anything, are they? Does that make a difference to the way you think about how you're going to go to work tomorrow? You're not on your own. God is at work already. 
And as we walk into whatever he wants us to do, it's really good for us to remember that. He's at work in the, in the works of Jesus. As we do the works of Jesus, the Spirit works, but he's also there in the background. That's why we can confidently keep going, pointing people to him, praying for his glory. We do that because the Holy Spirit is working in this world. Then in verses 13 to 15, he's described as the Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit speaks through this word, this truth that he uh, brings to life. He takes all that Jesus has done and makes it known to us. Did you see that phrase, makes it known? He says twice, personally. That's what happens when we come to know Jesus, when we become Christians. The Holy Spirit makes Jesus known to us. When we first welcome him into our lives, but it goes on. The Holy Spirit makes Jesus known to us and makes, helps us know him better. And that's another big change, not just in the world, but in us as disciples. You see, the disciples knew Jesus better once the Holy Spirit had come. And that's where we are today. He can work changes in our lives too. We don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be chained. We don't have to be weighed down by guilt. We don't have to be empty. We don't have to be trapped in sin. The Holy Spirit guides us into all truth, out of those things. Sometimes he can break those things suddenly. Other times it's a gradual growth and development and orientation towards the sun and away from the darkness, so to speak. That's the world we live in. He helps us bring glory to Jesus. And it happens in the world as it is. The world that I live in, you live in. That's why we can do the works of Jesus, why we can pray for his kingdom to come, why we can get to know Jesus better. The Holy Spirit is God's change agent. The world is different. We can be different, and we can live for Jesus and make a difference with the help of the Holy Spirit. So the ascended king, he's given us the Holy Spirit. We'll find out how that all happened next time. He does this so that we can do the works of Jesus, to give us the help that we need and to bring glory to him as there are changes in our lives and changes in the world around us. He's working still. So let's live in that changed world as a changed person and as an agent of change for his glory because Jesus is the ascended king.